Okay, so now we just need an intro. Uh, something like... Friendly sparring with Leo and Joe's. Friendly sparring. The friendliest sparring with Leo and Joe's. Friendly sparring. That's it. Ah, all right, cool. Let's start the show. Yep. Welcome to the Friendly Sparring Podcast. The podcast where one of the hosts is not moving to Pennsylvania. Breaking well, I, news. Well, I guess I guess that would I guess both of us aren't moving. That's because I'm also not moving. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I take that back. Welcome to Friendly Spy, where both of the hosts are not moving to Pennsylvania. There you go. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving all that in. Uh, no, I, I did I say on the podcast that I was going to move to Pennsylvania, or did I just talk about like having to move in general? I don't know because. Um, you were at my house on Saturday, so it's tough, and we yeah for several hours, so it's tough to know what what we spoke about. It was on, the- on mic and off mic, and also what because I'm also not on Twitter or Facebook. I don't know what you have shared publicly and just with right. me. Either. So yeah, if you wanna, you know, yeah. So that, go ahead. I've I've alluded to it on the podcast before. I know I haven't outright said it, um, but um, Kate and I are separated. And um, I'm moving out. And when I sort of like told all my friends and and um, kind of started breaking the news to people, my friends that live in like Western PA, about an hour from Pittsburgh, were like, hey, come stay with us. It'll be a nice like way station, you know, just until you figure out where you're going to go, whether you want you to go back to L.A. or, you know, stay in New Jersey, just say stay about rent free. And I was like, okay, I can't turn that down financially. Like if you're offering me a free place to stay, like I will make it happen so that I can yeah. can live there. And like, I was excited there. Um, my first reaction was to say no. Cause a, it was just like, it's kind of fucking far. It's like a seven hour drive from here. And I was like, do I want to be that far away from everybody? And then I was like, well, I'm, I'm doing a lot of theater here. Like, I don't want to lose that momentum. Like you saw Matilda fucking yeah. kill it. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. and I was like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to lose the momentum. And they were like, well, there's, there's theater here that, that you, way you wouldn't have to like miss out on it. And uh, I looked at um the, the, the season, the 2023 season for a couple of the places there. And it seemed pretty good. Like a lot of the shows and they were this one, um, this one show was doing Heather's the musical, which is like that movie with Winona Ryder, Christian Slater, the main musical. It's fucking amazing and like dark as shit like really fucking dark um and i was like hell yeah i want to do that and then uh the other day they told me like hey it's actually not going to work out which is like i'm not gonna get into why because it's uh, it's legitimate reasons and, and i'll tell you off mic but um so now i'm like all right well i guess we stay in new jersey now but i have like a month or so to figure that out well technically less i mean i have to be out by the end of february so it means i have to have it figured out before then right so we'll see. I'm uh, I'm looking around. So if any of our uh, listeners are in the New Jersey or the tri-state area and you have a room to rent, let me know. Although I say tri-state area, I do not want to live in New York, dude. <laughs> yeah, New York is like the this like specifically like New York City, like the like any of the boroughs, any of that the main uh, metropolis there. Yeah. Like no. 
Yeah, I love those areas. My family grew up in those areas. I have family in those areas. I like visiting those areas. I could never live there. 1,000%. Like, I grew up going to Manhattan for any reason I could find, whether it be Ranger games, whether it be right. concerts. Yeah, you, you know, go see Billy Joel at the Garden, like, all the time, right? All the time. Like, I love Manhattan. I would never, ever live there. Be a nightmare. Be a fucking right. nightmare. It's, it's, I like the fast pace of the city. Like you're in there and everybody's walking fast. I'm a fast walker. I'm tall. I have long legs. I walk fast. But 24 seven at night yeah. when I'm trying to sleep, like when, when they call it the city that never sleeps, they're not fucking joking. That yeah. They earn that nickname on 24 seven and just having to live in that city would night, as you said, a nightmare. 1000%. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm open to possibilities. So we'll see. Uh I have some options. Also, um good friend of the show, you'll hear from later, Rhino offered me a place to stay at his place, which is uh really really sweet of him. It's just it's in Michigan, so I'd have to pick up my life and move there, but I'm considering it. <laughs> I'm considering it for sure. I've never been to Michigan. Where in Michigan? Me neither. Uh, his he lives like in the Detroit area, kind of outside of Detroit, um, which is awesome for me because I love the show Detroiters. It's like it's by go. the same people that uh, that do. I think you should leave the show that Leo and I quote all the fucking time. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, you to what you were saying, uh, we hung out in person for the first time in what felt like forever. Yeah, it was a while. Well, obviously. We hung it after we recorded our first episode this year, but right. we I know just, what it's been a while since we like sat and watched the fights together. I feel like that hasn't ever really happened, actually. Yeah, I mean, we've been in the same bar. Yes, I was going to say MJ's, but never like sat with each other. We're yeah. like we're with our own group, and then a fight happens, and then I run over to your table. I'm like, yeah. you're crazy, and then I go back to my table. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the bar <laughs> i still remember like i think it was maybe the first time i ran into it mj's like uh it was whatever car it was a pay-per-view when i can't remember it was when jose aldo fought marlon morais and uh the decision was was bad and you just walked by you were like that decision was bullshit <laughs> yeah wasn't pleased with that one no, no nor was anyone i mean they fucking gave jose aldo the title shot <laughs> like listen judges said he lost but we know who won yeah yeah Fucking a! I wish uh, I wish all of our listeners were five dollar tier patrons and and because uh, then they would see my hair looks fucking amazing right now. It does. Mine does not. You can see I'm starting to get the ball sack hair here. Yeah, I'm starting little, to little wow. ball sack. Yeah, I getting... uh, I wish I could donate some. Like I wish that was how that works. My neck. I haven't shaved my neck in a while. I'm I'm a disaster. Well, hey. At least, uh, at least no one but me can see it, and people that are paying. Yeah, I hope it was worth the price of admission. It was a trade-off. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't even talk. Usually, we um, kind of uh, talk about which prelims we want to highlight. Can I tell uh, my jujitsu story first? Oh yeah, please. So you told me this uh, uh, when we were there. Please tell the story. This, this, I can't even tell you how happy this made me. I, when I spoke to my therapist on Tuesday, I, I speak to a therapist every Tuesday. 
and I told him this story. Monday, proud of you. Nice. Uh, I told him this story, and he told me that I've been talking to him for almost two years now. This the same guy, and he said I've never seen you smile like that before when I was telling him this story. Like that's how fucking happy it made me. So this story starts several years ago with Vinny Magalesh when he did a match against Gordon Ryan. Gordon Ryan, very well known for leg locks. They do a match. He starts trying to attack Vinny Magalesh's legs. Doesn't get him. I forget the exact rule set of the match, but Vinny ended up winning the match. Um, it wasn't by submission or anything. I don't know if they did points or yeah, just, just points. I, probably. I forget, yeah, I forget what it was. Um, so match is over. They go to interview Vinny and he just grabs the mic and he says, leg locks don't work and walks off the mat. One of my favorite moments in just combat in general. I so, remember seeing on Instagram for like months, every, ha- every post was hashtag leg locks don't work. Like it was yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it was big. And then it, it became such a thing that he started selling like merch for leg locks don't work. And, um, when I do jujitsu, I really like leg locks. I like the leg lock guys, Gordon, Gary Tonin, Craig Jones, all those guys, big fans. I watch all their videos. Um, and I've broken each of my ankles four times. So (laughs) there's not much feeling left down there. So they're very, my ankles are very flexible. I've had knee, I've had surgery on both knees. Uh, and aside from surgeries, I've had many knee injuries. My knees are also very flexible. So I really enjoy leg locks as well. And Karen had bought me a rash guard that says leg locks don't work. Now, over the weekend, there was an open mat um, to raise money for a, a bad, for a, a good cause. So me and Karen go to this open mat at a local gym. Did you start to say bad cause? Well, yeah, it was because something bad happened, but yeah, so good cause. <laughs> you told me when you told the story. That's why I was like, wait a minute, are you bringing yeah, the no. lead here? Good cause, but because something bad happened. So yeah. it was an unfortunate reason to have an open mat. But open mat at a local gym here. And Karen has been to that gym before, and she tells me everybody there loves doing leg locks. And I was like, great. So I, on purpose, wore my leg locks don't work rash guard. <laughs> and there was one kid there who was very, very good. Now, mind you, he is 16 years old, <laughs> and he's been training from what he told me since he's four years old. So he's a monster. And he just ragdolled me, like submitted me three or four times within the first two minutes, like just ragdolled me. And then we I don't were know. talking like training since age four, 16 years now, that 12 years of experience is, is weighted. Like it's different than your 12 years, oh, or yeah. however long it's been yeah. because like, first of all, he's more free time. But secondly, when you're a kid, you pick up things so much faster, like develop re- reflexes. So like he's lived jujitsu for those 12 years. Yeah. So I don't know how the belt system works when you're technically a child. Um, <laughs> so he, he told me he has a blue belt. He is, I'm a purple belt. He is not a blue belt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he fucking ragdolled me. And then he, I don't know if he had just noticed the the rash guard, but after like the third or fourth time that I tap, he just like jumps right on my leg, like right away. So we're in like a 50, 50 position. And I just let him 
lock in a heel hook. I'm like, let me see what this kid can do. So he starts just like leaning back and he's cranking the fuck out of my ankle. And I'm just like sitting there, not defending at all, just letting him twist my knee up. And I can <laughs> see it in his face. Like he's trying so fucking hard. And then it starts to hurt. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I should probably start <laughs> defending. So I, you know, start defending. I get my foot out. I attack my own heel hook, whatever. He ends up getting out. And uh, he, once he realizes like, oh, shit, this guy's not going to get tapped by leg locks. He like completely disengages and just gets away from me. And then he just looks at me like, how the fuck did you not tap that leg lock? And I just like showed him my shirt. I'm like, leg locks don't work, man. <laughs> He's like, well, yeah, I saw you were wearing that. That's why I went for the leg. And I'm like, well, they don't, they don't fucking work. They don't work. <laughs> mine and his round end. And then like the rest of the, the night, everybody as soon as i go with them like the first thing they did was grab my leg and i just i submitted everybody like nine or ten heel hooks ankle locks knee bars like just i the only submissions i went for the entire open mat were leg locks and i got all of them and it was so fucking satisfying it's amazing wear a shirt that says leg locks don't work and then have people tap out to leg locks it's so disrespectful at a gym it's that so I, disrespectful gym i've never been to before it's so disrespectful and it makes me so fucking happy <laughs> it's amazing it's really 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 good just want to get that off my chest i found that a very oh, absolutely oh, and i think that's a a great transition to talk about these fights Absolutely. I thought the prelims were incredible. I agree. Like in some ways better than some of the main card fights. I agree. If I'm honest. So like you usually we'll pick one prelim to highlight right. and uh kind of make sure that we each pick different ones, but forgot to have that conversation and yeah. yes we I'm did. Gonna, I'm gonna just go ahead and say right off the bat. Uh what's the fucking gentleman's uh first name? Uh, no, it's not Gabriel because it's his brother Ishmael. Yeah, Ishmael Bonfim. Oh yeah, deading Terrence McKinney. Holy oh, shit, dude! Yes. Wow. Uh, Terrence McKinney didn't look good. And now I don't know if that speaks to Ishmael's, you know, performance, but he looked off. Like he didn't look as fast. He didn't look as crisp as he usually does. Um, but like I said, that could be speaking to Ish how good Ishmael is. He just forced him to be off because of how good he is. But yeah, wow. Yeah, it looked like he was so Terrence McKinney has like two settings, it seems like. It seems like kill or be killed in like the striking, like knock me out or I'm gonna knock you out or whatever, like kind of like the Drew Dober fight, or he'll try and show off his grappling. Right. And be like trying to dominate on that. And Ishmael was just like stuffing the takedowns immediately. Yeah. And I feel like he could have, he should have switched it up. Okay. Like this isn't working. But like it was clear that like this guy's a competent grappler as well. Like you're not going to get anything done. I thought it was so funny too. Like we were talking about this. Uh, when he was walking to the cage, uh, DC was like, Terrence McKinney was in my hotel room. We're playing Xbox. He wanted me to set up a match, a wrestling match with. So and so, or like this, like uh, wrestler who's a Olympic hopeful or whatever, and he was like, 
this guy wrestles every day. You have no chance. He's like, I want to test myself. And I'm like, what if that guy's watching at home? Yeah. <laughs> Seeing Terrence McKinney get knocked the fuck out of me. Like, hey. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was wild. I, I I was shook. I couldn't believe it. By the way, this is kind of a side tangent. Did you see the headline? Maybe because this was on Twitter, but I don't know if they put it everywhere else. And I know I'm I know you follow at least a little bit of Barstool stuff. Did you see them clowning on Terrence McKinney? Barstool? Yeah. No. Oh, so I'll try see if you can find it while I while I talk to, uh, talk talk about it. Um like I said, it was definitely on the Barstool uh, Twitter. Uh, it might have been on their Instagram. But it was literally like, apparently, uh, Terrence McKinney like took a shot at Barstool uh, prior well, to the been, fight. Well, he's been trying to um, fight Patty. To fight Patty, so. Yeah. Okay, yeah, definitely. I know, I know Patty has like the Barstool sponsorship. They fucking post the picture of him flat on his face. And say Terrence McKinney gets knocked out after ridiculing Barstool or whatever. Like they made it about themselves. Which, on the one hand, yeah, that's a fucking shitty headline and it's stupid. But Terrence McKinney sometimes also is dumb as hell. I gotta be honest. <laughs> yeah, and then he, I, I see it here on uh, MMAnews.com. He just responded, "You still don't." LOL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, it was like after saying bar school doesn't know anything about sports. It's like, though, yeah, those two things aren't related. Like, yeah. like that doesn't make you right. Like, well, I do want to say this about Barstool. Um, have you ever watched Dave Portnoy attempt to do anything even remotely athletic? No, I have not. I don't he has, think there is no possible way. That guy ever played organized sports ever in his life. Now that doesn't mean you can't be a big fan of sports, but to sit there and like talk shit about professional athletes when he, he was, he was brought onto the court at like a Miami heat game to shoot a half court shot. The ball he shot didn't even reach the foul line when it bounced. Like it was the worst. He's so blatantly unathletic to the point where it's offensive that he even attempts yeah. to knock sports. It's, it's painful to watch that guy do athletic things, man. If I was, if I was to shoot a half court shot, cause I used to do it for f- just like fucking around and PE and stuff like that. Because when you're like anywhere within spitting distance of the foul line, like three, three, three point or anything, you try and do like the setup with the, Whole like with the two hands. If I'm half shot, I'm gonna make it look so fucking dumb. I'm trying to use both hands. Yeah. It's gonna be pushing like this. I right, can't even but imagine. If, but if you know, like the, he had to have known he can't get anywhere close. Oh to them. yeah. Why would you go out there? One hundred percent. Yeah, just... like like <laughs> to your point. Yeah, it's not gonna be impromptu. Like he had to have known. Yeah. If someone asked me, I'm like, okay, let me let me go to a court. Let me try this a few times. Yeah, let me get a practice shot first. Right. It's it's embarrassing. So, yeah, I, I used to be bigger fans of those people. Uh, I, I think his pizza reviews are funny, but other than that. Those are kind of funny. Pretty much anything else that he does is pointless. Like, you follow <laughs> the Barstool Sports Instagram page, 90% of the things they post are clips from different 
podcast on barstool none of which talk about sports it's like right they call like, her daddy they have like 10 different podcasts that are just girls talking about sucking dick and then they have another podcast with like two gay dudes also <laughs> talking, talking about, about and it's just like and the comments are the best part because like on a sunday now that it's playoff football, they'll post a clip of like these girls talking about blowjobs and people will comment like, yeah, I agree. I think Patrick Mahomes can get it done today. Like, <laughs> it's yeah, they, they're they're They've gone way downhill for sure. Fucking a was there a prelim that you wanted to highlight? Yes. Uh, Jelton Almeida. Versus that, Shamil Abdurahimov. That fucking guy. I read an animal. I read something today. I don't know how accurate it is, but he's had five UFC fights and he's taken I don't know four UFC fights and a contender series fight. So in his four first four UFC fights, he's taken five significant strikes. Like absorbed, which is even Incredible. better numbers than Hamzat. Because like Hamzat's first three, he had only taken one significant strike and then he fought uh Burns and you know he took like a hundred right. like Jelton Almeida is just ragdolling dudes running through these people. It's wild. Uh I mean Yeah, I feel like we don't pay as much attention in like light heavyweight and heavyweight because aren't he's not fighting those big names. Right. Like Hamzat was fighting Granted, like people were talking about the competition because he fought Reese McKee. No one really knew if they didn't watch Cage Warriors, but he fought John Phillips, who used to problematically be called the White Mike Tyson. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His thing, if you Google the White Mike Tyson, I think it'll pop up under him, John Phillips. Him, John Phillips. But yeah, and then well, he, people knew GM3. So there was right. at least some like recognition, and he fucking starts GM3. In like 18 seconds. Oh, yeah. With no punches landed. And yeah. so it was like um, with Justin Almeida, he's not fighting anyone that people really know, but it's right. he's doing it against like big athletic dudes. So yeah. it definitely deserves some attention. For sure. Yeah, that guy's incredible. And uh, similar to what we did last week, I want to talk about Shogun. He's on the prelims. We got to give Shogun yeah, his due. We do. Um, Man, that was sad. It wasn't like the worst beating I've ever seen, but to see a guy that did the Henderson fight just give up, like he just in the middle of the fight, he just like, all right, I'm done here. I've I've had enough, and he just rolled over, head down. I mean. And yeah, he just gave up and it was sad to see. And uh, I know he said that he's done fighting and uh, he's not going to come back. And I hope he sticks to it. But man, what a 100%. career. Yeah, I mean, he's he's only ever been in, except for the last couple of years when it's been a little hard to watch. He's only ever been in these like banger fights where it's yeah. like and, and, you know, that stuff catches up to you at some point. So it's not like yeah, a surprise, sure. but. Dang. Very sad. The the pride days are essentially over. Yeah. 
Who's really the last one? We were talking about there's a few people that fought on Pride, like one I or two fights, like but yeah, like Musasi, yeah. still fighting. But even him, like Musasi, got kind of blown away by was it Johnny Eblen? I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is which is incredible, right? And and in just his fight before that, he starched an up and comer in uh, Austin Vanderford. It's kind of hard to tell where Musasi's at. Right. Or maybe this Eblem guy really is that fucking good. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, yeah, I, I hope it's I hope it's both. I, I hope Musasi still has it and the Johnny Eblem guy is good. Right. That'll be even better. I agree. I did also want to highlight, you know, some fucking we talked about the uh both the Bonfim brothers getting it done in, in spectacular fashion, like spectacular. Um, the the uh, Gabriel Bonfim versus Munir Lazes. Oh yeah. Like, has Munir ever been in a jujitsu class? Like the way he just got that guillotine so easy. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like maybe his jujitsu isn't his strong suit as well, but I think it's also a testament to how good those brothers are. Yeah. Given, I mean, given how the, well, I guess the older brother is the fifty fiver, and the younger brother is the seventy pounder. Yes, the, I believe so. He's the little older brother, <laughs> or the, or the yeah, the little older brother. The older brother. Yeah. But given what the 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 older brother was able to do against Eric McKinney, stuff in those takedowns, like, gotta feel like they're they're good at grappling, and that was just he went through that guy like butter. Yeah, it was just weird. Like he grabbed the guy's neck, and the guy just like fell into his guard. Like he did nothing to prevent or defend the guillotine. I don't know if maybe he took a big shot and he's like, oh, this is my way out. He's got my neck. Let me just fall into his guard and I can get the Could fuck be. out of here and go home. But like, holy shit. I'm like, how are you in the UFC? Would you just do that when someone grabs your neck? I'm like, it was crazy. I, c- I couldn't believe it. Insanity. Well, speaking of insanity, that fucking Johnny Walker, Paul Craig fight. I did not expect that. That, Me neither. You know, the, the way that he he had his leg and not just punched him in the face, but he like jumped with his free leg to give himself more momentum was crazy. And I think like you said, like you had said in person, uh, like prime or vintage uh, Johnny Walker, where he gets a spectacular knockout in a way that we've almost never seen before. It was it was crazy to watch. You're muted. I don't hear you. There you go. Fuck. There you go. Uh, yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that we used to um expect from Johnny Walker. Right. It really was like until he lost, or until he had that that layoff from the injury, there was a there was a turning point where it just uh, it became bad, and I think it was also like it kind of coincided with the move to SPG. Yeah. But I, I heard John Kevin on Ariel's show, and like, I always take what he says with a grain of salt because like, some of the stuff he says about Connor is just fucking wild. But like, he had a good point about coaching in general, and he's been coaching a long time, so I feel like this is this is valid. It's like, with with coaching, it's not always about like what can I teach you, or or you don't come to someone to learn a special move or whatever. It's like, do we vibe? Right. Like, do we? Do we gel? And you have right. to get you have to get a few fights to build up that trust and to 
like get them to listen to your voice and and instincts and things like that. And so it feels it feels like they're finally gelling. Like I know I don't know what John Kavanaugh is doing to contribute to Johnny's game, right. really. But like it seems like they're gelling because he's he's married to an Irish girl now. He's like settling down. Apparently they they live in John Kavanaugh's house. So, really? Yeah, he was telling me that they. Uh, I think I think they were also the best men at each other's wedding. Like, hmm. yeah. Let me let me know if you also gather that when you listen to to John yeah, Kevin as I haven't listened yet, but uh, yeah, that's a it's an interesting point about coaching. Um, a lot of it is is definitely the chemistry. Yeah, it's it's chemistry. It's very much so like that. Um, but yeah, uh, that. That was and that fight had me thinking just about like MMA math because Paul Craig beat Jamal Hill, who is now the champion, and Jamal Hill beat Johnny Walker, just beat Paul Craig, who beat Jamal. Like it's it's a wild, wild world combat. It really is. And like that, you know what my first thought was with Paul Craig? I may have shared this with you when we were there in person, but with Paul Craig, he's always been like a guard puller, mm-hmm. like to a ridiculous degree. Yeah. And like when you're someone like Ryan Hall and you can do like Imanari roles, I mean, even at a certain point that gets annoying, but it's like a little more sustainable. He's a massive dude, just sort of like, eh, you know, kind of pulling guard. So he tries to wrestle and that's when he gets KO'd. Like what yeah. was like, hey, if you're gonna use your jujitsu, use implement some wrestling to make it happen. And he yeah. grabs a single leg, gets absolutely obliterated. Yeah. So I I mean, I guess he has to focus on his striking more as well, which was always a thing, to be honest. Like yeah, we never didn't think he needed to work on his striking. Yeah, I mean it, it's clear as day that his his strong point is his jujitsu off of his back. You know, he, he's kind of made he a beat career. Ankalaev too off his back. Yeah, he, he's like, kind of made a career off of losing fights and then pulling a submission out of his ass. Uh, you know, that's not going to work forever. It's not. So you, you got to, you know, it's at a certain point, it's, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But uh, it's broke now. It's broke. Yeah, it's broke. It's time to fix it. <laughs> it's time to fix it for sure. And then um, moving on to the Jessica Andraji versus Laura Murphy fight. I got some thoughts. Oh, I yeah, p- please. I'll let I you go, and then, and then I'll, I have some thoughts. So I am sick and tired of seeing people treat women fighters differently than male fighters. Um, okay. And here's what I mean by that. When a woman is getting beaten bad, the world is just, this needs to be stopped. This is bad. Like even, even Daniel Cormier was screaming in the booth, stop this fight, stop this fight. Like he's yelling at the ref, stop this fight. I thought the beating that Glover took was much worse than it, it was not only worse, it was longer because it was five rounds as opposed to three. And he was wobbled several times. Like he got kicked clean in the head five or six times and his knees were buckled and he was wobbling all over the place. Lauren Murphy, from my memory, didn't wobble at all. 
She was just couldn't get out of the way of the punches. Should the fight have been stopped? Maybe. But from what I saw online and from what I heard with Cormier, people just don't give women the benefit of the doubt in a fight the way they give men. And I think it's time to stop that, personally. I Did I think Lauren Murphy could have won that fight had it not been stopped after the second? No. But I don't think Glover could have won that fight after the third round either. Like, you know, yeah. I've heard Chael Sonnen say this many times, but as a coach, you don't stop the fight when your fighter is no longer defending themselves. You stop the fight when they can no longer, no longer win. And I don't think Lauren Murphy had any chance of winning that fight um, towards the end. But I also don't think the beating she took was even remotely close to as bad as the beating that Glover took. And I think that's because she's a woman. And I think that's unfortunate because some of these fucking women are unbearably tough. And I yeah. think given credit for that. And I think Lauren Murphy deserves a shitload of credit. And I also think Andrade deserves a lot of credit for doing that to her because Valentina Shevchenko didn't do that to her. Right. I, I have a, a couple of thoughts on this. L let's unpack some of that, right? Like here, here's my thoughts on this. Just a quick recap of kind of responding to what you said in the Lauren Murphy and Draws fight, there was a strong case for the corner to stop the fight. And I think in the Glover fight, again, I didn't see, but based on what I've heard and seen clips, there was a case for the ref to stop the fight. Right. Like, like there was like the ref should have inter intervened in the Glover fight. And I think like people are saying it was, it was Mark Goddard. And some people say he stopped the Izzy fight too early. The, the, which uh, fight? the Izzy versus Pereira. Oh, okay. Uh, and so I think he maybe was overcompensating at least given that logic, but yeah, no, I think both can be true. Like Glover took a hellacious beating and Lauren also took a pretty bad beating again. Like right. as a ref, I don't know if you stopped that fight and, and certainly you can weigh in on this more than I can, but I think it was more on the corner in that one. I've learned to kind of like separate it because I think both are at fault sometimes, or it can be because I feel like, the ref has very clear defined rules of like, okay, this is when I stop the fight when they're no longer defending themselves, whatever. But as a coach, like you said, Chael Sonnen, like when they can no longer win and it's like, you have to like live to fight another day. You have to be the one that like saves them from themselves as a coach. And I think, I think her corner failed her because, because I also think like, and she posted on Twitter, I don't know you didn't see, cause you know, on Twitter, but she was saying how like people were like unfairly criticizing her and then the performance saying like, Oh, you guys liked uh, Joanna Whaley. And I'm like, that was back and forth. They were right. both giving it. You had nothing for right. Jessica under the, that's the clear distinction for me clear too. Enough. And that, and that's again, why I think it's more on the corner as well, because yeah, like she was hanging in there and she was, maybe not intelligently defending herself, but defending herself enough that I, if I'm the ref, I don't know if I stop that, but if I'm the corner, I'm definitely stopping that after second yeah. round. Like, yeah, yo. I think, I think the issue, you know, a lot of, a lot of people will give corners the out of, well, they know the fighter best. And I think that argument you can make against, uh, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt is, you're right. They do know them best. They know them personally. And some people have a false sense of belief in people they know personally, where her coach probably thought 
she can still win this fight. She can. Or he thinks if I stop this fight, she I take away her opportunity to get the other half of her paycheck. Yeah. And that's not right for me to do to her. And that's where the ref is supposed to come in. Like, because I, you know, I'm sure the refs have personal relationships with the fighters. Like you have to, you know, in this business, it's a small business. You're working with them. You know, there's gotta be some level of, of friendship there, but not the way a coach knows a fighter. And I think, I think the ref is the one that's supposed to, like, I get sad when a corner stops a fight because I feel like the ref failed. If it got to the point where the corner stopped the fight, the ref should have stepped in, even brought a doctor in. Like I've seen refs bring doctors in, in the middle of the round. Like, is this person okay? Yeah. Okay. Then like, I I don't know. Refing is a tough job. You know, I, I, I find difficulty um, to really talk shit in a lot of certain instances, but I feel like the, the ref is the first line of defense as opposed to the corner. It's interesting. You say that it's interesting that you say the uh, it's sad when a, when a corner subs, you feel like the ref failed. I actually think that I kind of disagree because I think that's more because of the stigma about stopping fights in MMA. Like it happens a lot more in boxing and we just haven't got there in MMA. And I think because of the relationship, because of, you know them best. The corner kind of should be the first line of defense, and the ref is kind of there to be an impartial sort of second line. But I guess to your point, I guess it's a case by case basis. Yeah, you know, like like the uh, the Amanda Nunes Raquel Pennington fight is is a great example. Yeah, um, you know, for the 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 corner to send her back out in the fifth round was criminal. The fact I know I don't remember, but if there was ever a doctor brought in to look at her, um, I don't think there was. But, but he, yeah, even if even if a ref doesn't like stop a fight, if there's a beating that bad, I feel like a doctor should be brought in, especially if there's cuts. Like Lauren Murphy was bleeding very much, so even if you bring a doctor in before the third round and say like, "Hey, is this person okay?" Um, but even then, like I saw a clip recently of a Brian Ortega fight before the fifth round, I think it was the Max Holloway fight. They brought a doctor in and said like, how many fingers am I holding up? And he was like three. And he's like, no, how many fingers am I holding up? And he goes one. And he goes, let's try this again. How many fingers am I holding up? And he goes two. And then the, and then the doctor was like, all right, he's good. Like he, yeah. And then they let him keep fighting. So that's not always a perfect example. I remember that dude. It was the Max yeah. Holloway fight. Cause I was like, what the fuck? He clearly doesn't know. Yeah, I, I I don't remember ever seeing that clip until like within the last few weeks. But I'm like, so it, it's there's no perfect answer to, to this situation. But yeah, I feel like the ref needs. You know me, I'm all about refs interjecting more. Like take fucking points. You yeah. know, I, I'm I'm all about like you're there to to set the pace and set an example of of what's right, right what's wrong here. So it it was it was it was tough, but again, I I thought the Glover beating was much worse, and uh, for sure, it, it was a uh, it was a a tough beating to watch both of those fights for sure.
Yeah. And and I think there's a, also a conversation to be had about like the stakes. Right. And I think right. that shouldn't come into play, but it does like it's very possibly his last fight. I mean, he did retire. Like even if he won, it could have been his last fight. I'm saying home, home country title fight. And you know, where he's at in his career, I think Mark Goddard took all that into account. Yeah. Um, so I th- see what you're saying about the like, sort him. of sexism. I think that's definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, but it, it's it's hard. And then, you know, when I want to say it was Yamasaki took some heat for letting a, a female fight go too long. And he was like, I, I let like them be warriors. I, fr- I, I don't even remember how bad the beating was in that fight. But Hellacious. It, it, but it was like, you know, he got I don't think he refs anymore because of that fight. Yeah. I don't remember how bad the beating was. He definitely doesn't ref in the UFC. I don't know if he doesn't but ref he, in general. He took like, and I don't think in that instance, if the beating was exactly the same, if it was two male fighters, that he would have gotten as much of a um, backlash for the fight. I, again, I don't remember how bad the beating yeah. was. I remember it was bad, but I can't like picture it in my head how bad it was. But I do think if it was a male fight, um, that it wouldn't have been he wouldn't have gotten as much backlash and uh it's it feels weird after the, my, my comments i had about dana white to now be like let the females fuck each other up even worse like yeah it doesn't sound great but i just want it to be equal like i yeah, want no that's, want the that's female valid. to get as much benefit of the doubt in a in a beating that that the males get or give the males the same same benefit of the doubt you would give a woman like don't let them take worse of a beating because right. they're like you know what i'm saying i i just want it to be this they're fighters they're fighters i don't care what their right. genitalia is i'm gonna treat you the way i treat Correct. them let's let's keep it even yeah and i think i think you should go back and watch that that fight with the yamasaki it was priscilla cashuera versus valentina shevchenko because that was hard to watch it was it was bad i I don't think because I'm not I'm someone who doesn't I kind of separate the gender in that in that sense like I right. it's just like two humans and I remember being just like wow this is fucking really bad yeah I, um, and there's other fights that got criticized like uh, what was it it was uh, I think his name is Benoit Saint Denis he fought Eliseu Zaleski dos Santos EZD in was it in France was it when they went to France. Anyway, it was definitely those two fighters. It was a Russian ref. That guy was pulled from the card immediately. Oh, like they were like, "You, yeah, you remember that guy?" I remember. Yeah, the war, one of the worst beatings I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so there, there is some. Um, I see on both sides. Uh, what did you think of the uh, the Neil Magny versus Gilbert Burns fight? Because this I missed. This is when it started. Like, I remember <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't talk about this, but I, I was at your house, like. I really wanted to like have some some booze, and I I had like four. I want to call them beers, but they're not beers. I don't want to say what it was. It sounds like a pussy, but I had four uh, alcoholic beverages. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember being like, "I'm fine," and then like I went upstairs, and I was not fine. So I was like, "Hey, man, I gotta go." <laughs> and it was it was getting late. I I work early on Sundays, but it was yeah. it was right when they were putting the Vaseline on Gilbert. I think so. Yeah. Well, how was this fight? It it went exactly how you expected it to when you find out that Gilbert won. Um, 
the one thing I'll say about Gilbert is I love that he got the arm triangle. I told remember I said RDA fought Neil Magny, got the arm triangle in the first round. What if that happens again? Yeah. Play back the audio, somebody. I fucking said it. The the thing about Gilbert Burns is his jujitsu is so high level and so beautiful to watch. And I can see if if anyone would call it boring because he's patient. He gets you down and he doesn't allow himself to get out of a dominant position by throwing punches, which a lot of people do. Like they'll get in half guard and they'll start like hammering punches and then the guy will snake away and now you're in full guard. And he just doesn't allow himself to do that. He waits for the right moment to throw strikes to use that as a way to get you to open up. So now I can pass. And it was so beautiful to watch. He just slowly dissected through his guard, got to the mount, got to the, you know, went to the, to the right side, got the triangle. It was just so perfectly executed. And it was, it was a thing of beauty to watch. And he took no damage and, uh, I, I want to see him fight Colby. I want to see that too. I see that um, back. And I want to speak to something you said, because I think like, I think listeners uh, of our show will know that I am, I love jujitsu. And like, I remember talking to you about it when I was there, like I've only had one class. Like I literally have not trained except for this one private I took. But just from watching YouTube, like I absorb it. I watch MMA a lot. Like I fucking like love it. And I can recognize certain things. And like, I know when a guy is using, well, sometimes I don't, but for the most part, I can tell when a guy is using like muscle over technique and Gilbert has the kind of physique where you could seem that way, but always seems to me like he's super technical. Oh my God. It's like, I appreciate that. The real thing of beauty to watch that guy grapple the way he did last week. And uh, I wish he would go back to it because I I think when the pandemic first hit and he got those like two knockouts um, that he did, he did what a lot of grapplers do, you know, historically the hands fall in love with their hands. Like Dan Henderson did it. Josh Koscheck did it. Johnny Hendricks did it. Like now he, he, he has good hands. You know, he, he knocked, he knocked down Hamzat a couple times, but uh, if he could get back to that, you know, use your hands to get in close because he's a short guy. I don't yeah. think, I can't imagine there's anyone in the welterweight division. He's going to have a long reach advantage against use your hands to get in close, get the body lock, get him to the ground and dissect the way he did. I, He's going to be a real fucking problem in that division if he can get back to what he's excellent at. And uh, he did that on Saturday, and it was flawless victory. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I remember in the Woodley fight, I remember he fought Tyron Woodley and just kind of like boxed him up for five rounds. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, had, he, I remember he had some nice body kicks too. It wasn't just boxing. like It was some kickboxing, but just kind of like put a striking clinic on Woodley, which was – just hard to watch. He has really, like, really good hands. Yeah. But it's not the best aspect of his game. You know, well, what I was going to say is I don't, I can't remember if it was the Woodley fight that got him the title shot, but he fought Usman, got knocked out by Usman. And it seemed like after that, he went back to his jujitsu. Like yeah. uh, the Wonder Boy fight for sure, he like mauled him. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I know I want to see the Colby fight too. Have you seen the reports of uh him running into Colby and Colby like breaking kayfabe? No. Recently? So I, yeah. So I get it was I think it was well was it after the fight? Because I can't imagine Colby was just like in Brazil chilling. No way. Um, yeah, no way. <laughs> but I thought it was re- I thought they said it was recently, or maybe he told a story it was like maybe after one of the other fights. I guess Colby came up to him and was like, Hey man, I'm a fan of yours. Like, uh, I, I like watching you fight. I, you know, you got a cool family. Uh, I'm I'm just a character. I like to make money. Like, like literally just being like, I, I want to know more about it. They talked about it on an aerial show and I was like, interesting, interesting. <laughs> but people are making, uh, I think they're like, you can never tell people being so fucking good at Photoshop these days, but people are making posters of them being like the coaches for the ultimate fighter. And like, yeah, I saw Ultimate that. Fighter is kind of dead, but I would I would watch Gilbert and Colby. Well, see, here's the thing about the Ultimate Fighter, just to go on a quick little tangent, is when the Ultimate Fighter first hit, like early on, after you know the Forrest Stefan Bonner fight happened and they kept going, the first like 20 seasons were not about the young up-and-comers. They were about the two coaches that hated each other. That's what brought the eyeballs in. And I feel like the last number of seasons kind of got away from that. Like you had DC and Stipe, which, yeah, they were going to fight at the end of it, but they didn't dislike each other. They had, you know, Volkanovsky and Ortega, I think. Like, who hates Volkanovsky? Like, like they were. Was it? Like, I didn't watch it, but I wasn't, but I wasn't interested in it because of that. Like, I remember I saw some clips of them playing pranks, but like, Early on, you had Tito and Ken Shamrock almost fight on set. You had fucking Tito rip, not Tito, uh, Rampage rip that fucking rip door. Rip the fucking door. You had Bisping and and Mayhem have to be separated. Like, and was, Bisping and Hendo. It was all about the coaches. And I think they got away from that and wanted to focus more on the young guys, which is cool, but it doesn't get viewers for the show. Unfortunately. Right. But yeah. So you bring Colby onto the Ultimate Fighter, that'll get, no matter who you put him up against, he'll find a reason to to make it interesting, and that'll bring eyeballs. But I don't think Colby would do that. Yeah, I don't know because I, I, I with the reality TV with the cameras being all around, like he's bound to drop the gimmick at some point. Yeah, like so. imagine they did uh, Ultimate Fighter Brazil, like they did with Chael. After Chael. Oh my God! Yeah, Chael and Vanderlei. Oh my God! You're too close. I can't let you get close. <laughs> I can't let you get close. <laughs> what a great! It's uh, so great. Uh, Tell so- him what you think, stupid. It's the Vanderlei show. <laughs> Classic. Oh my God! It's so- <laughs> no one's. Lo- I still love that uh, that interview, dude. Like I keep going back to that black and white interview. It was like no one's let him in on the gag. He thinks he won all those fights in pride. No yeah. one's like, hey, Vanderlei, the ref had an earpiece. <laughs> That interview is, and I didn't know this until recently, but that interview was his first interview back after, after suspension. Had, right. And he was out, like did no media for like nine months. And then all of a sudden he's like, password not required. Username <laughs> not required. <laughs> That's how you threaten somebody stupid. <laughs> That's like. God. I, I can do that whole thing. I want to do it for you real quick because I oh, just think it's amazing. But that, but that's why he starts the interview like 
they're like turning the cameras on and it was like jail son and it's good to see you it was like it's good to be seen like oh my no one God. had no one had seen him but the fucking and, and like i watched the the he quote tried that, to feed a bus a carrot and he's like whoa big fella whoa big fella you're telling me that country has computers you thought it was all that i love when he's all diplomatic he's like now i pick my medium very carefully i didn't know they had computers in brazil no good dude but literally ariel's referencing this quote and i actually saw the interview at one point i stumbled across it he's literally interviewing vanderlei and maybe with a translator but whatever he asked him about chael and vanderlei goes i kill him i kill him fast just like that um and ariel's like Hey, Chael, we spoke to Vendley recently, asked him about you, and his thoughts were, I kill him, I kill him fast. Wondering if you saw this and what your comments are. And he's like, Hey, Vandalay, you are an immigrant from Brazil. I am a gangster from America. I'll go to your home. I'll cut off power to your house. <laughs> Pick the lock of the master room door with a pair of night vision goggles. I got on the back of Soldier of Fortune magazine. <laughs> Take a picture of you in bed with the Nogueira brothers working on your jujitsu. <laughs> Post said photograph on www.dorksfrombrazil.com. Username not required. Password not required. That's how you threaten someone, dummy. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. For some reason, the ending with dummy is just so like it's it's those like schoolyard like preschool insults that cut the most sometimes. I think the best part about Chael on the microphone for me, and which made it so interesting, is that he never cursed. Yeah. He never said, fuck you, fuck this, I'll fuck your wife, like none of that shit. And it's so difficult to in just in general life for me personally to just talk without cursing and he'd found a way to do it and make it interesting and make it offensive without saying any profane words it was it was unbelievable the best on the mic there's ever been better than connor i don't give a right. fuck no i i agree because uh, yeah he also like it was very calculated like he yeah. knew to not curse like he can he can curse. He's not like against cursing. I mean, he did. He is kind of like, not you know, whatever. But he did it specifically so that it could be played on whatever, whatever medium. Yeah, brilliant. Love it. Well, let's talk about Brandon versus Figgy. All right. <laughs> did you? Because you said you didn't. You didn't go back and weren't able to watch the fights. But did you yeah. see the finishing clip? I know it was a doctor stoppage. Right. But did you see what caused it? I didn't. I heard it was like a grazing the thumb knuckle. So like it was Brandon a shot that closed like his eye looping, up. Like a looping left hook. And when he threw the hook, his his knuckles didn't get all the way around. So his like thumb knuckle landed right in Figgy's eye. And Figgy was like, ah, ah, like he thought he got poked. And he was like trying to get the ref to pause the fight. And Brandon just jumped on him and just started like just attacked him and like his eye like his eye swelled shut immediately so uh before the i think it was at the end of the third round let me check right now yeah at the end of the third round ref brought the doctor in to look at his eye and uh the 
you know, the, the doctor had him close his eye and was like trying his best to open it just to see, like, can you see? He was the re- the doctor was trying so fucking hard to get that eye to open. You know, they were pushing the swelling down and it just wouldn't open. So that the the doctor stopped it. But it was it was a one sided beating. Brandon yeah. won the first three rounds for sure. Um and I'm I'm glad that that guy's champion. I love Same. that. He's just a good person and unbelievable fighter. And I th- I think we talked about it last week, but just the story of that guy being the 16 seed on the Ultimate Fighter and then getting cut and winning an LFA and now he's the champion here. It's just a just a great fucking guy, and I'm I'm happy to see him be champion. And I would love to see what him versus like a Demetrius Johnson or a Henry Cejudo, how the, one of those fights would go. Cause that guy is so fucking good. I agree. I would love to see either of those fights. Um, although Cejudo can't make 125 anymore. No shot. No shot. Like he already, when he was in shape, he was missing weight at 125 and like now he's moved up. The absolute just like, and even you saying that, it doesn't even tell the full story about being the 16th seed. Like you mentioned Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo was one of the coaches. They trained together. Henry Cejudo was like, I know his family. Like they've come around. Like I've stayed in Tijuana. He fucking picked Pantoja over his boy. And that's like, and he didn't know that Brandon was the 16th seed. Right. But bro. If it's that important to you to get him on your team, like if if you like if you value winning the show over your friendship and history with this guy and knowing his family, you pick him first. And then he trained Figgy. Yeah, yeah, that's fucking right. Yeah, holy shit, dude! I forgot about that. Yeah, fuck Henry Cejudo, dude. Yeah, and uh, I saw a clip of him backstage with Pantoja. Um, and he said that Pantoja's next. That's not a fight I care all that much about. Pantoja does not interest me, but if Brandon Moreno's fighting, I'm watching. So I guess I it doesn't really matter who's next because I'm going to watch Brandon Moreno fight every fight for the rest of his career. I love that guy. Same. Just as a human being and his fighting style, like I just like watching that dude fight. It's amazing when they're both good, right? Because, like, you know, like, my favorite fighter is Roxy. It's because she's an amazing human being. Right. And I, I can agree that, like, her fights aren't – like, she I, she always tries for a finish. That's what I do like. But, like, sometimes they're going to be some duds. Like, with Brandon Moreno, he is super exciting and super lovable. Like, it's just so incredible when they both line up. Like, I fucking love it. And yeah. you know what obsessed me about the Pantoja thing? I think he talked about this at the press conference, and he was like – let me fucking live, guy. Like I just fought, I fought this guy four times. Yeah. <laughs> like, can I have a breather? Yeah. But I agree. Like, Pantoja is the next guy. Like, if not him, who else? You know, and like yeah. he has those two wins over him once in the Ultimate Fighter. Right. I do really want to see Muhammad Mokayev get a title shot at some point this year. Like that guy's good. I would love to see him. Well, I want to see him tested. I want yeah. to see him fight up the ranks. Yeah. 
Mohaya versus Marab would be an amazing. Oh no, he's bantamweight. Never mind. Seventy-five, yeah, but still. Yeah, still. Well, Mohaya was talking about moving up. That's kind of why I was, I think, in that yeah. vein. Who's Speaking like? Biggie said he's moving up, which I think he should. Yes. He looked, he looked horrible on the scales, and he's missed weight before, and he just yes. doesn't, he doesn't look good at that weight. And I think he'd be even better at thirty-five. I, I really do. I think he's going to be a lot better. Uh, being... Yeah. Hopefully he'll be like quicker. Yeah. Maybe not quicker than he was at flyweight, but quicker than the other thirty-fivers. Yeah, for sure. I think I think he he can be a top guy at thirty-five, no question. Someone threw this out. Um, they were talking about it on the show, uh, Figgy versus Rob Font. What do you think about that? Isn't Rob Font at forty-five? No, thirty-five. Maybe thinking of his his partner Calvin Cater, his training partner Calvin Cater. Um, yeah, but Rob Font like fought T.J. Dillashaw, fought uh, fought Cheeto, right? He fought Cheeto. Yeah, Cheeto yeah, yeah. fucked him up. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. And uh, and then someone else was like, "Oh, how about um, Figgy versus Cody Garbrandt?" So I'm like, "Okay, cool. Give him a name." And Cody was they were supposed to give him a title shot at 125, but even then, I was like, "Nah, dude. Like, he's gonna start him. It's just not even gonna be a thing." I, I'm, I'm always down to watch to watch him get knocked out. So that's true. Together. I'm in. The motherfucker clips ears off pit bulls. So yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck Cody Garbrandt. Congratulations to Brandon Moreno. And I hope he continues to get more Lego sponsorships. For sure. He deserves everything. Yeah. A- anything he wants, he should get. What do you yeah, I feel like you have some words to say about the the Glover fight? So not so much about the fight, but I want to say that in a sense, Colby Covington was right about Brazilian fans. The way the fans acted that night really pissed me off. Really pissed me off. Like, they're throwing fucking beer bottles at Brandon Moreno and, like, throwing garbage at him. Oh, really? Watch the fight so you didn't see this. Because Figgy was protesting the stoppage because he thought he got poked in the eye. And they were showing the replay on the screen for everybody to see. And Brandon said, like, in his post-fight interview, like, I'm sorry, guys, but that was a punch. Like, that was a clean, legal punch. Like, And he was, like, apologizing to the Brazilian fans. Like, it's not my fault. Like, it was a clean punch. I'm sorry. And they had security run him out of the arena like they did to Colby Covington when he called Brazil a dump. Yeah. And because they were throwing garbage at him, throwing beer at him as he's running out. And then Glover loses, right? Gets completely dominated. This, so they interview Jamal after they're, you know, right. He says his thing. It's a couple minutes. By the time they get to Glover, who retired, threw his gloves in the cage, the arena was empty. Everybody, wow. nobody stuck around to hear Glover Fucking worthless, like announce his retirement. And like, that's for, your guy. Don't you want to hear his speech for a guy like maybe because they didn't think he was going to retire. I don't fucking know, but you had to have, if you're a fan of MMA and of Glover, you had to have known if he loses tonight, it's probably the last one. Maybe not, but it's likely it's yeah. possible. And for them to just leave. I mean, I, I guess I get it. Like the, your two Brazilian guys both lost to foreigners, but give me a fucking break. The guy was about to retire. 
he deserved a full arena chanting his name saying thank you taking pictures on the way out of the cage and he got none of it because they left they left him abandoned in the cage by himself and that absolutely infuriated me that that happened and he even said like in his in his uh post fight speech he said like hey i saw you guys throwing beer at brandon this is a good man right here. Don't do that to him because me and him are going to walk out of this cage together is what he was like the last words he said in the cage, but he's saying it to no one. Like there's no one left to throw beer at Jamal Hill. Like the stadium was empty and that really bothered me. And I feel sad for Glover that the fans in his home country didn't give him the moment he deserved. Yeah, that's terrible because, like, we talked a little bit about this when I was there. The crowd was just overall fucking duds. Like, first of all, typically Brazilian fans, it's it, it, not just Brazilian fans, like, pretty much anywhere outside the U.S., they'll show up for the prelims. Like, they'll be there. There was nobody in the fucking place. Even when the yeah. main car was starting, I was like, yo, is is it not sold out? Like, where are the people? And, like, they just weren't given the energy. And it sounds yeah. like after I left, they brought some energy, but the wrong energy. Oh, yeah. Real negative energy. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I hated the way they acted. And I feel like they're the way the Brazilian fans act is, like, either real, real positive. Like when Jose Aldo knocked out uh, Chad Mendes. Mendes and then ran into the crowd, like, peak fandom. Right. But their guys lose, they act like fucking petulant children. And it it's like really bothersome because the Brazilian fighters are for the most part very respectful and very lovable. And the fact that their guys don't get treated well when they lose, like Oh, you lost. Like, we're going to abandon you. Fuck off. We're leaving. Like, he threw his gloves in the cage and made a, a retirement speech with a busted up face. And he had cuts all over, bruises all over. And you guys just left him there. And that was real sad. Yeah. That's, sad. I, I can't even, I don't have any words for that because it's just so shitty. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it really sucked. But as far as the fight goes, um, I hate to be the guy to say this, but I don't think Jamal Hill's going to be champion very long. Um, he showed some promise in the grappling department. Um, I think he defended 15 of 17 takedown attempts from Glover. And the takedowns that Glover did get, he was able to uh, not only defend submissions, but get back to his feet and then start attacking again so he did show some some uh you know promise but watching jamal hill strike makes me uncomfortable because it's like just athleticism right like, he's kind of yeah, sloppy yeah he, his striking is very sloppy which i guess kind of makes it difficult to defend against because he doesn't throw a it's not conventional techniques yeah right uh and but he just he hits like a Mack fucking truck. You know, he's just one of those guys that's super tough, super fucking durable, and hits like a like a truck. And Yuri's uh, gonna kill him. 
or Pajeda. Yeah, I kind of, like. I definitely want Yuri to to fight him next. If for some reason Yuri how... can't get it done, I like the story of Pajeda coming up and just beating the fuck out of. I don't know how long Pajeda is going to be out for because. They said it was like the worst shoulder injury they've ever seen. He's going to be out at least a year. But then he went on Ariel's show and said he could fight in six months. Like he could fight in six months, which means the recovery's three and then he can get back to training. Yeah. And Chael Sonnen actually made this point on his podcast yesterday. Um, you know, Yuri's been on social media. He's not in a sling. He's had shoulder surgery within the last month and he's not once been seen in a sling with a bag of ice on his shoulder. So like how bad was this injury? And if it was so bad that he, they needed to now I don't remember if they took the belt from him or if he gave it away, but I think he gave it away. But even so, like if he was going to be back that quickly, there was no yeah. need to have a vacant title fight. Like he could have kept it. They could have done a, uh, an interim, but yeah, I, I, I think, I think Erie beats him as well, but yeah, I, I think like he I said, gave up strong. the belt, but I think it was with a little bit of coercion and maybe that's the wrong word because maybe that implies like some shadiness, but I think, cause it happened at the PI. I we, think, you know, like the, the UFC brass were like sort of around fucking Scarlet. That dog was like all over me when I was there. Dude, she keeps stepping on my shirt and like pulling my shirt back, but like, <laughs> You want to lay on the top of the couch. Lay on the top of the couch. Get your fucking foot off me. <laughs> so I, well, I feel like they were like, "Hey, we want to put the title on the line," you know. And I, because he, because I remember when he put a statement, he's like, "After talking with the UFC, I'm going to vacate my title and I'll be back right. to fight the winner." Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, did you see the video of him saying, "I'm coming"? Did you see Jamal Hill's response? No. What did he say? Posted a video today of him also standing in the woods, also with snow going down, and he's just like, "Where are you at, though?" <laughs> and then he starts walking that's off, and he kind of funny, but and he goes, "Oh, by the way, that's what she said." I feel like you got to do one joke. You can't do both. Like it's either like the "Where are you?" or that's yeah. what she said. Yeah, but I fucking use I I, I use the video so because he's like, "I'm coming." Yeah, I'm coming. Like, yeah. <laughs> just go like, where are you at though? <laughs> I thought it was funny. That's kind of funny. See the the issue that I have with Pajeda going up is I want to see Izzy fight him again. And if Pajeda goes up to two hundred five, there's no shot he's going back down. Like he's enormous. I don't think he makes. If he has a fight at 205, there's no shot he's going back down. But I can't say Izzy can't go back up. But the problem then is if Pajeda goes up, vacates 85, and Izzy becomes champ again, it's not going to hold the same weight because it's going to be one of those, oh, you're only champ because Alex is up sort of thing like like Daniel Cormier had when Jones had to vacate the belt. It was just like, you're not the real champ because you didn't beat Jones or you didn't beat Alex. And I don't think Izzy deserves that. Now, I could just be looking too far ahead. He may not get that treatment. but And I'm also not a big fan of champions going up that haven't at least had a few title defenses. Yes. But with, with this situation, 
if there's no real clear cut next guy in, yeah. either, in either division, like like when when Connor moved up to fifty five, um, the the only clear cut at forty five was a rematch with Aldo, and it was seeming like Aldo didn't want that, and right now with Izzy and Alex. If, I think if Izzy wanted it, that fight would have been made already because I think they're both healthy. And the thing with 205 is who's next? Because historically, if someone is a backup fighter, they're usually the next to get a title shot. A- Anthony Smith missed weight as the backup fighter. So now he's not a habitual weight misser, but are you really going to give that guy a title shot when he just missed weight? And then Jan yeah. and Ankhbayev, I didn't think the fight was that bad, but Dana White hated the fight. So is he really going to give one of those two a title fight at 85 or at 205? Right. And of those three, Anthony Smith, Jan, and Ankhbayev, other than those three, there's really no one else at 205. So I think if they're going to give Alex the shot at 205, it has to be next and right now. And that's a super interesting fight. It is because there's a storyline of avenging his coach. Right. That that's you could sell that. Hundred percent. And have you? I, I'm sure you've seen the picture, but the picture from the press conference, um, where Izzy was fighting Jack. I think it was Jared, and Alex was fighting uh, Strickland on the same card, and uh, Izzy is talking on the microphone, and there's a picture of an angle of Alex like dead staring him. There's a similar picture from this weekend with uh Jamal holding the belt and in the background just Alex just staring him down. I've seen that picture. Cold. Chills. Cold. Speaking of of cold, did you see the video of I think it was before the fifth round of them pouring the water over Jamal Hill's head? No. So I guess because Jamal Hill has like, this is going to sound racist, but like black hair, like thick Afro okay. type hair. I guess blood sits in it real well. Oh, interesting. So, he, so he's sitting on the stool before the fifth round and they dump water over his head and just blood just comes down his fucking face. And he's just like staring because there's a camera right in the corner. And right as I go to pour the blood, he looks directly into the camera and just. <laughs> That's fucking dope. Sick. It's such a sick video. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. You, you got you to gotta check that out. Damn. I got to watch that. Yeah. It's real sick. But. I yeah. went from being grossed out to being like, yeah. <laughs> real quick. Well, I think that's as good a, a moment as any to take a quick break. And yes. when we come back. We're going to do the forum. Yes, we are. And we're back. Yes, we are. Ladies and gentlemen, the forum starts now. Right now. And I'm happy to say we got a fair amount of questions. We've got a, a, some nice call-ins, and uh, we've got some Twitter questions to get to. But first, uh, like we like to do, let's start off with the FSP hotline. Got a few voicemails to play. 
I swear to God, <laughs> the only MMA catfish always comes through in the transcripts. Never cease to amaze me of these voicemails. <laughs> the fucking fr and I, I try to like keep a little bit of mystery because the transcript will give me, even though it gets like half the words wrong, you get the general vibe. So I'm like, okay, I know what they're asking about, but still, there's some, some mystery there. <laughs> the fucking first line says. Hey, yo, pig juice, your favorite thirst. <laughs> what the fuck is that? I have not even a slightest clue what that could possibly be. Like, if, if that's at all close, <laughs> I'm going to be like, hey, man, let's pump the brakes. <laughs> but uh, without further ado, here is the question. Hey, yo, pig juice, you see him catfish, your favorite thirst. Man, uh, you know, there's a lot of things I could call in about related to MMA, but God damn it. Fuck that. Um, I do have an MMA-related question, predominantly for our boy Juicy Juice. Um, you know, Juice, EMT Cross, uh, what are your thoughts on Izzy? Uh, did he really get a face tattoo? And, like, has he gone off the deep end? Are we spiraling out of control in some sort of like Mike Perry-esque career-ending mental collapse? Um, or, you know, what do you think is going on there? I realize it's got to be tragically disheartening to be chased around from sport to sport by Michelle Piera and fucking lose every single time. Uh, Michelle. But, uh, yeah, I mean... I would like to see him keep his shit together uh, and come back for a great fight, no matter who wins uh, in the next one. But uh, what do you think? I'm out. FMP for life. First of all, it's Alex or Alex, if you're going to anglicize it. Alex Pereira, not Michelle. And it's not Piera as well, but it's not for sure get the first name right at least. <laughs> I knew what you meant. No, I, yeah, and I knew what he meant. Dude, I got to say, like, so I heard about um, Catfish and I are both uh, supporters of the uh, Coleman Event Podcast. And I first heard him mention on the CME live chat. Someone was like, oh, uh, Izzy got a face tattoo. And when you frame it like that, especially like he even made the comparison to Mike Tyson. I'm thinking he got something all on the side of his face. He got a little thing above one of his eyebrows, which... Still technically a face tattoo. Like, that's not wrong. But I feel like no. context is important. Did you yeah, see this? Not, I did. It's not the worst face tat. I'm just, I'm really anti-face tat. Like, don't fuck with your face. It's, it's, I, I, I think if you get a tattoo on your face, hopefully none of the listen, listeners have face tattoos, but I think you're going through some shit. If all the other skin from here down on your body, you choose to put permanent ink somewhere here, it's questionable at best. Uh, now, like you said, it is a small tattoo. Still, still odd in in my eyes. Well, yeah. So, so here's the thing. I would generally agree with you if if someone is like just getting face tattoos out of nowhere. Maybe they're going through some shit. This actually seemed pretty on brand for Izzy, and I'll tell you why. 
he's always been really um a fan like a big fan of anime like really obsessed with anime and when he posted the video he posted he cut he edited a clip of of an anime where the guy had like a similar mark on his eye intercut with it and i don't know the meaning of whatever tattoo he got but i think it has some deeper meaning it's not just like hey let's get whatever because you think about like mike tyson like what the fuck does that even mean like what that symbol yeah. is like what does that mean Here's that my... is clearly like a, a kanji or something that has some meaning. So here's my thing about tattoos. Um, I am definitely afraid of needles. So that's why I don't have tattoos. I think they look really cool. But I think at a certain point, some things can just be printed out and put in a frame on your wall. If you like a guy in anime that has a face tat or a marking on his face, just print out a picture of it and put it in a frame. <laughs> right above your bed. You see, or you'll see, you see it every day, every morning. Uh, but to put something like that on your face is... Like, a, it's questionable, but... I mean, he's super fucking rich, so it's not like he's going to have to go find a regular job someday and look a manager in the face with a face tat and say, hey, hire me. So, I mean, right. whatever whatever the fuck you want to do, it's just, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, not something I would do. Not something I would suggest a person right. does. Um, but did you see the picture he posted on Instagram today? No, let me go look it up. So I think it was, well, I mean, it's the only social media I have, so it must have been Instagram. But he's wearing like a Michael Jackson-esque leather jacket with a belly shirt underneath it and like tight black jeans. It's a, it's a vest. I actually don't think it's leather. Oh, it's not? It, it looked like it. I can't tell. I'm zooming. It's, it's Louis Vuitton. Maybe it's I'm not. Yeah, at right now. It's not leather, and it's part yeah. of a GQ photo shoot, so I think they dressed him. And it looks like his pants are on backwards. <laughs> I just noticed that. Like the, the two pockets. The, the, they're like, like back pockets. pockets. Yeah. <laughs> the captain says, don't return to default. Yeah. Fucking maybe he is spiraling. I don't know. And all no, the but comments... this, there's a watermark on the photo from GQ. So I think it's a GQ thing. And all the comments are like, love you, man. But this fit ain't it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at maybe we follow different people. I'm looking at one from someone that says someone whose name is Concrete just says go crazy. Another one Wale with like fire emojis. Yeah, so I think the um like the the verified comments come first because I see all those as well. Then you okay. pass those, and then you get Herrera really knocked the sense out of him. You a homie, but this fit is not it. What the yeah, fuck? Yeah. Bro, what are you wearing? Dude, someone you... said like Jet Set Radio Future as a fighter. <laughs> Did you ever play that game, Jet Set Radio Future? No. Bro, so it was a game that came this this is on original Xbox before 360, before Xbox One, original Xbox. It was the one that came with the with the Xbox when you bought it. I highly recommend playing this game if you have an Xbox because it's insane. It's about like rollerblading. 
so on the like on the surface it's like a, a Tony Hawk game or whatever where you're going around skating but it's rollerblades instead. But it takes place in Japan. Okay. So already it has this like weird aesthetic, right? You also have to graffiti. And that's a big part of it. Huh. And you're you're in like gangs, right? So like you'll have and you'll have to like fight these gangs by like graffitiing on them. And so, like, you'll be in these wars where you kind of skate around. They're trying to, to attack you. If you complete your design on their backs, they're, like, rendered useless. They're like, ah! It's, like, it's almost, like, wow. too humiliating or something. That's... It's so fucking wild. And sometimes you have to that race them through fun. the city. It's one of those things where, like, explaining it makes it sound not as good. But when you play right. it, it's, you'll it's get it. fucking great. <laughs> I have to check that out. I do have an Xbox. But But that comment, like... If you look at the photo, and and kind of remember that once once you once you see Jet Set Radio Future, you'll be like, oh yeah, I get why they were saying that. Yeah. Because everyone has got that like sort of weird aesthetic like that. Interesting. Yeah. To answer your question, Catfish, uh, something something is up. Maybe it's the loss. Maybe he's just made so much fucking money that he's just doing out like outrageous shit. I don't know, but yeah, something definitely seems off. Then what he was doing six months ago so we'll see yeah no we'll we'll see thank you for the question as always and um we got one from my boy rhino and uh, i'm gonna read a little bit of this transcript as well he didn't tell me not to oh boy uh (laughs) the first sentence hey did you feel better today call me Rhonda from the combat sports and rhino pocket <laughs> just was, sounds like someone having was, a stroke, you know. I to say pocket. I don't know why pocket. <laughs> I don't know. Like, out of all the things, like that's like the one. <laughs> oh shit, dude! All right, I I gotta play this one. Hey, this is Group Baby. They call me Rhino from the Combat Sports of Rhino Podcast. You and I talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, my guest this week was Manny Murrow. Um, LFA Lightweight, he talked about when he traded Jack the Wink that John Jones would frequently use. Um, Bob Marley is kind of the uh, song and the soundtrack that was going on during the training session. Uh, we've also seen other guys, you know, in various, um, you know, documentaries, what kind of music they listen to while they're training. But what do you think the Juicy Fruit Bebe would have on as his training regimen music? And, you know, there, that, that could go all over the... Uh, the landscape of music. So I'm actually curious to hear what kind of music you think you would have playing at the gym while you were training for your first MMA fight. Love you, buddy. Hope you have a great, uh, great day. We'll talk to you later. Peace. I think this is a fucking great question. It is a great question. And my first reaction is that John Jones does not strike me as a Bob Marley guy. Right. And it makes you think like, and, Drinks and drives does not give me Bob Marley vibes, <laughs> right? <laughs> that is not like a chill person. Like everything yeah. gonna be all right, yeah. bro. I fucking posted about it. This is gonna make you laugh. So I text Rhino after that interview he did. Like I said, the the guys in Man- Manny Muro trained for a time at Jackson Wink, and and Rhino asked him this question: like, music is a part of you know. A lot of people's lives it can definitely help you in your training camp. Probably like what's sort of your playlist like? And he tells a story about training with Bones like late at night, and it's just Bob Marley, like an exclusive like all Bob Marley playlist. 
And I was like, I can respect that. And and the guy was saying how he, he kind of was like, it just gets the vibes right. Like you just in the right mood, got the calm, but like ready for the storm or whatever. I was like, okay. So I tweeted out, I was like, did not expect to utter this sentence, but John Jones being a Bob Marley fan almost makes me be a fan of John Jones or whatever. And <laughs> someone posted, shout out to Jeffrey from the Scrapped Two podcast, said, man is listening to three birds while he beats his wife. <laughs> I was like, oh, dude, you're, you're going to be all right. <laughs> so fucking terrible. Dude. Don't worry about <laughs> a thing. thing. Yeah. <laughs> I could actually so like I'm the kind of person if I were, if I was to train and this is why I love this question I was I've been thinking about it ever since he left it like I would probably have different pl- playlists for different moods and different like disciplines or whatever right like if I'm uh rolling if we're doing jujitsu Bob Marley actually seems like it could be the vibe or like folk music or something something that's kind of calming you get in a flow kind of like that it's almost like like uh like my uh ex-mother-in-law is a yoga instructor and she'll like craft a playlist for her flow and to put like norwegian wood by the beatles on there and like things like that if i was training boxing i would have like film scores like epic and like the right one because i think you guys especially with striking there's a tendency to like have the music affect the pace too and I think I would want like, like I just remember like I don't know if this would be the vibe for boxing, but in in acting school when we were learning swords in stage combat, uh, my buddy actually the guy that I was gonna live with in PA is obsessed with films and has like a bunch of like he had the soundtracks downloaded on his MP3 player. He would play when we were practicing swords. He would play the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack. Excellent. And bro, when oh, you're man, it, it hits different, dude. Yeah. It hits different. I'm telling you. I fucking love it. Sword fighting. Yeah, like you just want to want to fight someone with a sword when you hear that music. 100%. A thousand percent. So yeah, I would have to fight like, it's so cliche, but like the Rocky music. But you know what I would I would definitely do? Fucking, have you seen Team America World Police? Oh God, yeah. And he's like, you gotta have a montage. Even Rocky had a montage. Like, I would be listening to that soundtrack. <laughs> so I have a funny story about training with music. Oh, uh, please. At my old gym. So the, the, the guy, Mike, um, you've met Mike, right? Mike Burke. I have. Yeah. So he, you and him are like, were like the only people to introduce themselves to me when right. I went to the Institute. Yeah, he's the best. Um, so I've been with him, I want to say seven years or so. Oh wow! Um, so we've we've moved locations many times, but we used to when I first started with him, we were at a, we were in like a storage garage behind a rub and tug. <laughs> where we it was this big open garage and there was no right i've heard there was a rub and tug place in kingsburg no it was in morganville we were in oh okay okay um at the time 
but big, big area, a lot of map space. Um, so he would like sublease that area. Um, and they had like a speaker system. We had put in a speaker system, go throughout it with like an aux cord. And most people didn't care to get the aux cord, but I had on a, I had ironically downloaded Justin Bieber's. <laughs> and, Are we talking early Bieber? Like, baby, baby, no, no, baby. Not that early. We're talking like, is it too late now to say sorry? So I, I, I ironically downloaded that album because I just was like, fuck it. Like, let's yeah. see what Bieber's got. And I'm like, yo, this album some bangers on there. Laps. Yeah. Every song on that album is good. So there was one day that for whatever reason nobody had grabbed the aux cord. And I just grabbed it and I'm like scrolling through my artists. And class had already started. Like people were already had their gloves on, had their wraps on, and were clinching already. Um, and I just put on Bieber. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> put it from the start of the album. And then I come out of the room and everyone's like, is this you? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, no, we're not training to Justin Bieber. And I'm like, well, I was, I'm the only one without gloves on. So I was the one that picked the aux cord. Like next time, put your fucking music on first. And like, there was a big yeah. argument, but I'm like, dude, we're not fucking changing this. Or we're fighting. Like, <laughs> I'm so Bieber. <laughs> anytime I went to the gym for months, if there was no music playing, like Bieber's on, Bieber's on, and there were times, incredible like Sundays, but the sparring day when other gyms would come, I would wait for sparring to start. Like someone else would have music on during class time, like we had a class before sparring, and then sparring would start, and. I would do the first round and then I'd take the, the next round off and I'd go to the other room, unplug whoever's phone was in there, plug mine in and put fucking Bieber on. <laughs> and everyone's like, Tom, what the fuck? Like I was every chance I get still to this day, even in other areas, we've other gyms we've trained in. If there's no music playing, I'm putting on Justin Bieber and it drives everyone crazy. But I'll tell you what I train like a, maniac when justin bieber's beautiful godlike voice is playing <laughs> that's incredible dude so, i can't i can't wait so the question was directed towards juice but for me it's justin bieber <laughs> no, I, that, you know what that reminds me of have you seen the videos that gunner nelson's gym made no okay maybe i'll look it up because we fucking well, so I think his dad owns it, but it's like his main, the one in Iceland. Like, there's not a lot of. Uh, I'm gonna see if I can find it. What's going on with Gunnar Nelson? So they did like a promo. I think what they did, uh, well, John Cavanaugh was on there and said that Gunnar Nelson was gonna train with Leon, so it's clearly doing something. Okay. Um, I guess when they first opened up this gym, they got like a new a new space. They did a promo. Um, have you seen the the music video for Chandelier by Sia? She's like, I'm gonna sweet. And this little girl's like oh. dancing and going crazy. I know, I know I'm familiar with the song, but I've never seen the music video. Okay. Well well, he they like recreated it. 
and then it got popular. Then the, the, the next year, I think yeah, that was the first one. I can't remember which came first, but the next year was them recreating the fucking Justin Bieber sorry video. Um, and I want to play this for you. Oh, hold on. Let's check the full screen on. Jesus. <laughs> oh my god is he wearing lipstick i think so oh that's great I don't just, you got also i'll text it to you it's fucking yes, incredible mjolnir mma is the name of the Jim and that's the the YouTube channel that posted. They're like trying to, um, you know, get PR for the gym or whatever. But they did that and they did the Sia song. I don't know if they did more, but it, it was a, it was like a thing that they did, and it's kind of like a shot for shot like redoing of the video. That's it's crazy. It's amazing. <laughs> you want to hear a funny story about recreating music video? Yes. So I also, ironically, started listening to Miley Cyrus music in college and talk about a fucking someone that can sing holy shit yeah but in college was when the song wrecking ball came out and there was one night when i was in college i was out of control with drinking and i also took drugs drugs are fucking awesome yeah well they're bad but they're fun yeah so i took a lot of molly a lot of Molly. <laughs> so there was one night I I lived on campus and this was such a dumb idea, but it worked out. I invited like 200 people to my on-campus apartment and I hired one of my friends to be a DJ. Like he set up his aunt, like his speakers packed. Like I can't believe we didn't get caught, but we didn't. So I took fucking like a gram of molly i drank like a 30 pack of beer and then I, I asked my friend like dude put on wrecking ball so he, <laughs> put, so he puts on wrecking ball and i stand up on like the table that we had in our living room and i'm just stripping naked and love it grabbed the um the remote and i was using it as a microphone and then if you've seen the music video where she's naked on the ground yeah. with a hammer. That was me in the middle of a party with a hundred people, butt ass naked, on drugs, drunk as hell, licking my remote like it was the hammer. And then the song ended and it was real awkward. <laughs> <laughs> everyone was all about it while the song was on. And then the song was over and everyone's like, dude, put your dick away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely dude that's the name of this episode put your dick away and and i haven't done drugs in a very long time uh but i'm over a year sober from drinking as well so no more dick for you no more dicks out i uh i tried going sober this year and it didn't go well but uh, so i'm i'm i give you a lot of props for that it's it's hard yeah 100 percent um, is that Kratom, by the way? I, I I had this thought when we were there. I was like, I wonder if he still drinks Kratom. Yeah. 
Uh, so thank you for that, Rhino. I feel like I was going to say more. Oh, I would definitely have like, if it was like sparring, you know, you know, uh, another speaking of like recreating music videos, this wasn't a recreating, but like when I was in high school, I had a digital media class and we had to make a, a, a music video. And well, we had to make videos with music. I definitely remember one, you know, like the mission impossible th theme song. That's like, dude, I made a video of just me like sneaking around the school and like I pretended to snap this dude's neck <laughs> like sneaking by as a guard like a, I would just do like dodge rolls around corners and shit and then because I was that was the, the year I had just got done like training uh, martial arts I was training like karate kempo taekwondo and even actually a little bit of jujitsu like one time excellent I this other kid also was had trained MMA and we were like, let's do Mortal Kombat. And so that Firestarter song that's like, smack my bitch up. Yeah. <laughs> and we just like, sort of like, we weren't actually connecting, but it went, well, not hard anyway, but we kind of just like sparred. It, was, it wasn't it was choreographed in the sense that like, okay, I'm going to throw this punch. We just sort of like winged it, but we we're like, okay, I'm gonna, let's do this. <laughs> we sped it up. I remember being like fucking awesome. But that song makes me want to fucking fight. Yeah. So I would definitely like play songs like that for sparring yeah. and stuff like that. The theme song to Dana White's life. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I I majored in television production in college. So I did television production in high school as well. And there was one kid in one of my classes who was really, really small. So we like one of the videos we made in in the thing was that he was the bully and he was like, Oh, nice to me. That's and so funny. One of the parts of the video, we were going to have him punch me in the face and like beat me up. But I told him like, actually hit me. Like I'm a lot bigger than you. Like, it's not a big deal. Hit me as hard as you can make it, make it actually real. And I told him like, I won't react if you pretend to hit me. Like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I want you to actually hit me. And me and him didn't really know each other that well. Like we had just got paired up for this group. We just happened to be in the same class. And he was like, I don't want to hit you. <laughs> we had to do like seven or eight takes because he just wouldn't hit me. <laughs> just wouldn't do it. And I'm like, dude, we got to get this shot. Like this is the big, and I'm not like, I'm not going to act. Like I want you to punch me in the fucking face. And like, I was in the hallway, like yelling at him, like punch me in the fucking face, <laughs> like screaming at him. And then eventually a teacher came up and was like, what's going on over here? I'm like, he won't punch me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he eventually did and we got it, but like it, it took a while. Um, it was funny. <laughs> I could see being that kid though, if I'm honest with you, especially oh, if yeah. you feel like smaller. Yeah, I'd be yeah, like, ah. yeah, I get why this 15 year old kid didn't want to punch a stranger who's a lot bigger than him in the face. <laughs> but yeah, I got it. But funny story. Fucking great. Well, thank you for the question, Rhino. You said go definitely check out his podcast, the Combat Sports with Rhino podcast, and that interview from this week was on fire with Manny. And uh, now we have an email from Pat Tobin. Pat I always compare Pat Tobin to like the Haley's Comet because whenever he like he's not a he doesn't do it every week like like Catfish or Rhino or anything, but when he comes, dude, he brings the fucking heat. All right, let's hear it. And I actually haven't even listen just because i know it's going to be good and i want to react in real time 
the fucking like subject of this is fuck the anchor time limit. Oh. That's already enough for me to to make it feel like it's a banger and probably going to be long as hell. Yeah. Here we go. Hi guys, it is Pat Tobin here. Hope you are both well. Uh, welcome to T-Cross 2. Haven't spoken to you before, but always enjoyed your input on the show. I wanted to ask you guys today about something that will probably get brought up anyway, and that's about uh, throwing the towel in, in MMA. And why are we so against it in this sport? Why won't the corners throw in the towel in MMA? I just don't understand it. What, what really gets me is, it, is it's quite acceptable in boxing. And in boxing, a loss can hurt your career way more than it can in MMA. In, in mixed martial arts, you can lose four, five, eight, ten fights and still come back and fight for a world title. You lose two or three in boxing and you're pretty much done. You know, you, you, it's very hard to come back from that in, in the world of boxing. So when they throw the, the towel in boxing, a loss hurts you more career-wise. But for whatever reason, we don't do it in mixed martial arts. And there's obviously two great examples from the weekend. The first one was Glover. The argument for not throwing the towel in was that he could still win the fight. Yeah, his chances were slim, but, you know, he could have got him down. He could have submitted him, could have landed that big punch. All right, but at the end of the day, he copped a lot of punishment and didn't need to be taking any more. Then you've got the Laura Murphy one, which not only was she copping the punishment, I just couldn't see how she could win that fight. I have no idea why that towel didn't come in. These guys don't need to prove how tough they are to us. They're fighting on TV, for fuck's sake, like another human being. They're tough. They wouldn't be there if they weren't. They've got nothing to prove to us. I think that, yes, it's the job of the referees, but I think a lot more of this has to come back to their corner. They're the people who are supposed to care for them the most, who have to get them back to their families, have to look after their long-term health, and have to leave them in a situation where they can fight again uh, and not lose a lot of brain function later in life. Stuff like that. But let me know your thoughts. What do we have to do to make this a bit more acceptable in this sport? Love to get your opinion. Thanks, guys. See ya. Just like I said, fucking banger question, yeah. right? And he's right. We did touch on it a little bit, but I'm happy to talk about more, like, for sure. Yeah, I think, I think we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but I think one of the bigger issues is the show-win pay structure. Um not after thinking about it, I, I was kind of brainstorming what what my answer was going to be as he was talking. But I think aside from the pay structure of the fighter is the coach makes also makes a percentage. Right. Now that, that now that isn't as public knowledge as, as like a manager would, would get, but a coach or your gym will get a percentage of your pay. So not to say that coaches are selfish in the sense of like, if you make half your paycheck, I will also make half of mine because I get 5% or 10%, whatever the percentage is, 10% of 50 grand is a lot smaller than 10% of a hundred grand. Um, so I think, I think the number one reason would have to be finances um, and I know me and you kind of disagree on a little bit as far as uh, fighter pay goes, um, but the it definitely could be better. I don't think it's as bad as people portray. But when someone who's not making you know the upper six figures or seven figures like they do in boxing, um, that half your paycheck means a lot more, and 
I think a coach, whether it be personal where I make half or you make half, taking away that opportunity to get that other half of your paycheck is, uh, I think, the number one reason that it doesn't happen. Um, I could be wrong. There could be other things, but I think that that's the, the sole reason. And that's unfortunate because, like you mentioned in your question, that your number one concern as a coach should be the safety of your uh, and and I think I'll, I'll, not, not I'm kind of rambling here I'll let you get get a word in here juice but <laughs> another thing is that a lot of coaches don't think about they think about now like you know if I take away half your paycheck by throwing in the towel um that sucks for right now but you got to think long-term. Like if you take all this extra damage, you won't might not even have another fight this year because you took so much damage as opposed to throwing the towel. Now, maybe we could still have two more fights this year and long-term you'll make more money because you could fight more often as opposed to, Hey, you really need this money. I don't want to take away half your paycheck, but to answer your question, simple. I think it's the pay structure. Yeah, I think whether or not that that they admit it, I think that does play a huge part, right? Like coaches will tell you it's another thing. It's, you know, and, and fighters have come out like Anthony Smith has come out. And Anthony Smith to me is like saying this like the the most wild thing to me. He came out and said after the Glover fight when people were like, "Please stop this fight. Like why isn't his corner stopping the fight? He's spitting teeth out. Why the ref would take the teeth and not stop the fight?" I mean, it's one of Jason Herzog's worst performances and who's otherwise a good ref uh phenomenal ref right yeah but really good but like that's like the one glaring black spot in his record yeah anthony smith came out and said i have an agreement with my corner like don't you fucking stop my fight and i'm like or i'll fire you not just you better not i will fire you and then turns around and said i cornered a guy at a regional show and i i don't know if he said he threatened to throw in the towel or he did throw in the towel either way that is like so asinine to me that he can sit there and have a double standard. And I get it's different with yourself, but don't you see that? Don't you see like, if, if you're, if you take yourself out of it, if you're the guy in the shoes, wouldn't you want to stop it? And like, it's just, it's, it's just crazy to me that it doesn't happen. And I I think there's a couple, sorry, go ahead. I spoke too much. Go ahead. That's okay. I just, there's there's a couple things to me that beyond the 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 pay structure. And again, I think regardless of other factors, like I think for everyone that probably is a factor just because of the pay structure in MMA, is what it is. Uh, Luke Thomas brought up this point one time that I think was really, really holds weight. Boxing is full of like in terms of the corners, the coaching, a lot of old men. Old men don't give a fuck about you, bro. They don't. They don't care about your perception. It's like, no, like I've been around. Like I've I've seen this. Yeah. And and like I think Trevor Whitman is one one of the only MMA coaches I've seen throwing the towel. He did it again, you know, with Nate Marquardt. And it's when cause Nate said, I'm done. And he's like, okay, we're throwing this in. Like if you say that, then that's it. And Trevor has talked about cornering and boxing and he has been in that world. So I think that's not a coincidence. The other, the other thing too, is that it's, it's such a newer sport, which is 
to me shouldn't be a thing because if you think about it, it's combat and combat has been around and boxing is a part of MMA. So I don't understand why that part didn't cross over. But then again, you have people that just started with MMA like me, like I never watched boxing. So those people that, that like start training and then become coaches, but the same mentality and the same reason can kind of be demonstrated in another thing. This is another one. Like, I can't believe I'm using this person as an example, but fucking Pauli Malignaggi. Pauli Malignaggi is kind of a dumbass, but he's also really smart about boxing. And he said something about MMA fans that I didn't want to agree with, but I do. Where he was like, oh, MMA fans will be like, I'm ready to die. Or MMA fighters will be like, I'm ready to die in there. I'm going to go out there. I, I want to kill this guy. I want to die. He was like, the amount of deaths in boxing per year like, are you kidding me? You will never hear a boxer say that. You will never hear a boxer say that because it's a real thing that happens. Like people don't die in MMA. So you can, it can be like hyperbole and it can be like pipe, you know, like that's people fucking die in boxing. Right. And I think that's, that plays a big part. And I think we've talked about this before. We don't know what an MMA fighter, we talked about in our first episode, we're like Phil Baroni and shit like that. We don't know what an MMA fighter at age 60 is going to look like. Right. We know that with boxers now. Because I think, I'm not a boxing historian, but I I would be fairly certain that they didn't throw in the towel that early, like early in terms of the years of of when the sport was young. Right. So... You brought up a, a good point there that I was going to also mention that um, we've seen boxers get old, like Muhammad Ali when he got old. Best example. We're starting to see it now with guys like Chuck Liddell. And I think that, like you said, with old men, like being around, they've seen what happens. And I think like, like you pointed out with combat's been around for a while, but you get a lot of these people that say that, MMA is a lot safer than boxing because in boxing, if you get knocked down, we give you a chance to recover, let your brain recover. You know, we give you, they say 10, but it's never usually 10 seconds. They usually take too long and you got to wait for the boxer to get to the neutral. We start counting and the seconds are usually a little long. So you get a chance to recover and then you take more damage. Whereas in MMA, you get knocked down, they jump on top of you, you take four or five more and then, it stopped. So that's like, historically, we're like, oh, it's safer. You're not taking as much brain damage because there's the grappling aspect and there's right. you know, the leg kicks. And so people will use that excuse that it's it's a safer sport. Um, but I think once we start seeing guys turn into what Chuck Liddell is turning into, and Chuck Liddell's not super old. I, I don't even think he's 50 yet. Maybe he is 50. I I'm think he sure. is 50 because but, I think, I think when he fought um, Tito the third time, he was 48 and okay. I, that was 2018. I want to say right. So he's like early fifties, like 51 maybe. So he's not like up there and he's, he's been having issues talking for a while. So I think once we see more of that, there is going to be uh, more towels thrown in. And like you mentioned with, with guys that are, you know, older, um, we saw someone throw in the towel for Deontay Wilder, you know, one of the biggest names in the sport, in the biggest fight of his career. One of his fights against Tyson Fury, they threw the towel in and he fired his team in the back. And they're like, I don't give a fuck, which is interesting because yeah. there's a lot less 
bigger names in boxing, like your Deontay Wilder's coach, he fires you. That guy probably doesn't coach anyone else who's a big name. So like his yeah that he's going to get going forward as far as percentage wise is going to be significantly less. Whereas in MMA, uh, Who's who's Anthony Smith's coach? Mark Montoya. Mark Montoya. So Montoya has a whole stable by Anthony Smith. He's got a whole other stable of guys who are bigger names compared to other boxers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It 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 really doesn't make sense, and it is sad. But I don't know what it is about MMA fighters that have that "let me go out on my shield" mentality. Um, and and I think a lot of the MMA coaches came up with MMA as opposed to boxers came up in boxing and it's got the long history and it is strange. And I also would like to see it more. Um, It's unfortunate. Well, yeah. And it's also kind of like the roots of MMA. You think about UFC one, it was like, it's a tough guy sport. It's like, you know, two men enter one man leaves. We saw someone throwing the towel in a Nate Diaz fight. When he got kicked in the head by Josh Thompson, his brother threw in the towel. Did, although I think people people like to use that as like a or people like to counter that by saying the ref was already stopping it, but it to me the, it stands. The was there the intent was there exactly? I'm I'm totally with you on that. And and it's wild that we're we're saying this and like the reasons why we think MMA fighters or MMA coaches should be throwing in the towel. And maybe the reason they don't is the pay structure. Yet you're saying like a high profile, like Deontay Wilder, they're missing out on that paycheck and they don't have a, maybe a huge table. Whereas Mark Montoya does. Right. It, yeah. It does. Crazy it doesn't to me. make any sense. It doesn't make sense. Um, And I've, my, I've watched my coach throw in the towel with other guys. A couple and like times. Muay Thai fights. Right. 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 But, but yeah, that's again, that's not MMA, but he also coaches guys that do MMA. So I feel like if he were in that position in an MMA fight, I feel like he would. I would like to think he would. He's done it in Muay Thai fights. And but again, it, yeah. It, and I think you mentioned it earlier too, stakes like world title fight for Glover Teixeira, maybe his retirement. Whereas Lauren Murphy is just like it's just the second fight on the pay per view. Uh, so I, I do think stakes right. do it as well. But it, it is. It is unfortunate to to watch fights like that uh, not get stopped. But For sure. I, I saw that Glover has zero injuries. Like he's got cuts and bruises on his face, but as far as like he doesn't have a concussion, he doesn't have any broken bones, no bruise, like just just cuts and bruises. I'm like that. The human body is fucking crazy. It is. We also got to think about Jamal Hill. He's big but mostly he's just tall and i think the power comes from that length and like you know exploding off the back foot but he's kind of lanky and kind of bony so you feel like his his knuckles are more like cutting Mm. but um yeah for time's sake i want to i want to move on but that was an incredible question pat thank you so much like i said fucking Haley's comment of of friendly sparring yeah that was a good one and I, I think, or at least I hope, I hope we'll continue to talk about this more as the year goes on. Sure. Like, I hope that 2023 becomes the year that we kind of further the conversation of why don't we throw the towel in an MMA? Right. You know? All right. This uh, first question comes from Sandy Banana Chin Pants. 
She said, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Laura Murphy defending her corner for not stopping the fight. She alluded to some covert sexism being the reason people thought it should be stopped. She was definitely getting her ass kicked. Is this a my body, my choice type of situation? We kind of we kind of already answered. I think right. she kind of knows how we feel about it. But Yeah, I, I agree on the sexism part. I made a big point of that when we um, when we discussed it earlier. But I also didn't point out earlier that I agree the fight should have been stopped. I just yes. thought that that fight got more backlash than the Glover fight did, which I didn't think it deserved. Um, yeah, that's that's a fair point by you. But yeah, I, I I do agree that sexism in in fights does play a part, and I do I do appreciate fighters that come out and defend their coaches in, in situations like that. Um, but I would also respect if she came out and said like. I, I wish I wish my my corner would have stopped it because but fighters can also stop it too. You could just say fuck this, I'm done. Like yeah, that's true. You can shoot a takedown and give up your neck. Like like Chael Sonnen says this all the time. I don't exactly agree with him, but Chael Sonnen will say like the rear naked choke. Rear is naked not, choke. It's not yeah. real. If you get rear naked choked, it's because you didn't. You were done. You, you gassed or you gave up. You wanted a reason to get out without saying I quit. I don't entirely agree. I'm now what percentage of rear naked chokes are real and are a way out. Who knows? I think Conor McGregor's rear naked choke against Nate Diaz was a way out. I think he gave up his neck because he, he was tired and he wanted out of that fight. It happens, but I don't, he literally shot for a takedown. Yeah. I don't think it's the majority of them, but I, I, I think fighters don't want to say that they're done. Um, but yeah, I, I do think sexism plays a part for sure. Yeah, it 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 could be, but I also think, like to your point, I don't like when when fighters defend their coaches that much. At least when I perceive there a reason to be. Like we we talked about Mark Montoya, and I wanted to bring this up, but I forgot. Um, I for I I actually forgot Mark Montoya was the coach. I was just thinking of this fight, and I wanted to bring it up, but I remember. Oh yeah, it was fucking Mark Montoya, Mike Davis versus Thomas Gifford. I'm like not a high profile example, but again, a point where like. Mike Davis was bludgeoning the fuck out of Thomas Gifford, this fucking long-haired dude. Gifford, Thomas Gifford is coached by M Mark Montoya? Yeah, like, dude. Yeah, that's not good. I, I like. I remember like being like, hey, man, fire your whole team. Yeah. Yeah, that's bad. It's bad. Real bad. Um, with that but, being said, uh, she, she was talking specifically about Lauren Murphy. Yeah. But um, John Hackleman, the guy who coached Chuck Liddell for all those years, is in Glover's corner. And okay, he, I was actually thinking about that. And I, I read a quote today from him that he said he wanted to stop the fight after the third round. But I, I think with title fights, you're allowed four cornermen. And the other three corners said, no, we're not stopping this. So he was like, felt like he, outvoted. he, he was outvoted. Um, but he was, but he wanted to stop the fight. Okay, I'm glad you said that because I was thinking about that. I, cause I've heard John Hackleman go on Ariel's show and be like, I don't like fighting. <laughs> Yeah. You're like these guys take too much damage. I I, I want to protect my guys. Like he's like more of like a Kempo, like traditional yeah, martial arts guy. He refused to to work with Chuck for the the third Tito. The third Tito fight. fight. Yeah. Like, I'm, not, I'm not down with like, this. I don't. I don't think you should do this. I don't want you to do this. And I will. will take no part in it. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I I, I respect the hell out of John Hackman for that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't think there's sexism involved in the Lauren Murphy fight specifically. But I, I agree with the larger point about 
sexism, at least at least from the fan perspective, because I, I don't think. Yeah, that was the point I was making as far as the sexism goes, is the fan backlash. I want to yeah. make that clear. People were more upset about that fight not being stopped because it was a woman getting beaten as opposed to when Glover Teixeira got beaten. So I just wanted to clear that up, too. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, and I think it's a fair point. So th- thank you, Sandy, for, for bringing that up. It should all, I feel like everyone that listens to my show already follows Sandy, but obviously, you know, if you're not, definitely follow Sandy. Um, we got Pat Tobin's question. Okay. Dave L fired a couple of questions. Um, he says UFC 283 was made sadder with the defeats of Shogun and Glover in their final fights. What is the ideal final fight for an aging legend taking into account that they might lose a winnable fight against a beatable fighter, a dangerous title fight or a legend versus legend fight? So I think, I think I, go ahead. You go first. I went I first. Say, for for me, first. just at least just of those options, legend versus legend. Give, give me someone with an equal name. Who's not looking to make a name off themselves or off, off of the other person. Give me someone on the same level to have a competitive fight. That's what I want. Yeah. I, th- I think in most instances, that's the way to go. Like uh, wasn't Donald Cerrone's, title uh final fight against jim miller or joe lozon oh i think they wanted it to be but i thought that fight never came to fruition i don't think the joe lozon one did but i want to say his last fight was against um jim miller and he got submitted by jim miller now jim miller is another legend i mean he's still continuing to fight but it was yeah yeah so I, i don't think a guy like shogun hua in his final fight should be given a guy in his twenties, no. uh, guy. I don't think Frankie Edgar's final fight should have been like that, but I think this was a good final fight for Glover because of the position he was in in the division. But I think in most, I agree. In, yes, that it should be a legend versus legend or like a, an older guy. But I think it's a case by case basis. Yeah, and to your point, like it's always hard to tell. Like there isn't like an exact formula of like, oh, okay, old, older aging fighter, let's match him up with a young guy, because it's all all depends on whether or not they can capitalize on it, and if they're already a marketable fighter, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Ariel made this point, like Ihor Potiera, yeah, didn't know who the fuck it was before the fight, nor do I know after or care. Yeah, he's the guy that beat Shogun and made me fucking sad. Yeah, like I'm not gonna, I'm not any more invested in this guy than I was before. Right. Whereas sometimes it does pay off. I've told the story many times when Cheeto Vera knocked out Brad Pickett, Brad was one of my guys. Yeah. And I was upset. And then the way Cheeto handled it, amazing. Especially yeah. like I, I don't think it was it was that bad. People were saying about the post fight celebration with Ehar. I thought I just like looked dumb. I wasn't thinking he was like dancing on his grave or whatever. I thought it was just like whatever. But if you're if you pay respect like the way Cheeto did. You're a fan. If to that point, I guess if Ehor had got on the mic and said, "I remember watching him on Pride, the Pride days. I stayed up late to watch his fight," like he would have had my respect. Or if he would have came out and said, "Fuck you, fuck Brazil." Brazil's a dumb. Yeah, I guess. I guess either either way, if you go to either extreme. Yeah, yeah, you go either extreme. But he was, yeah, he he didn't really capitalize on that moment. Um, but I, I want to. It was more so just like expecting his fame to skyrocket like oh cool i'll be shogun this is yeah you know i'm gonna take off now well the problem is that because shogun 
was like the height of his career 15 years ago. A lot of the new fans don't really know him. So especially with his last number of years, kind of have like win loss, win loss, win loss, like back and forth. He hasn't really maintained his star power the way Glover Teixeira did, which is why Shogun was on the prelims. So, right. so when you beat a guy like that on the prelims, it it doesn't doesn't make as much of an impact, especially if you don't use the post fight press conference as a way to boost yourself. But I do want to say something about Glover Teixeira. I saw today that when the UFC rankings were first initiated and they started doing official UFC rankings. I think I saw it was in 2010, which is now 13 years ago. Glover was ranked fourth. He has never been unranked in that span of time and now ended his career ranked second in a title fight. That is outrageous. So I just wanted to get that stat out there and and give Glover the props he deserves and is right rightfully getting. Okay. Yeah, no, that's amazing. It's an incredible stat. Um, yeah. What was I going to say? I think that's – oh, no, I, I now I remember what I was going to say. Last thing on this, and then we'll move on. Dave L has another question. We talked about this when we were there in person. Don't fucking play the Shogun, the Shogun tribute package after he gets knocked the fuck out, dude. And yeah. then you were like, oh, maybe they were trying to like uh, leave like the lasting memory be like positive. Bro, if we didn't get that before, I'm gonna I'm gonna say like that's not gonna make me feel better. Because yeah. like it's gonna make me feel emotional. Yeah. And and I'm already like sad from the fucking KO. Like yeah. play it before and then I'll be like, oh yeah, and then it means something when he when he right. gets lost. It's almost like I don't know, I just thought it was the the way they the timing was terrible. Yeah. yeah. But um yeah. uh Dave L has a second question. He says Jalen, the tarantula Turner, has been eliminating Anzac fighters left and right and is now booked against Dan Hooker. If Turner claims another Anzac life, should his nickname be changed to the Funnel Web Spider, a.k.a. the deadliest spider in the region? Uh, yes. Yeah, exactly. Un- unequivocally, yes. Yeah. yeah that, no, that's he should the... change his name to fucking Aragog, the spider from Harry Potter. Can you fucking imagine? For those of you listening, my jaw just dropped. His eyes got so wide. Dude, Harry Can Potter, imagine? life, yes. Jalen Aragog Turner. I'm getting chills. Million percent, yes. I love it. That was brilliant. I'm actually. I'm. I just came up with that. I'm proud of that. <laughs> brilliant. brilliant. Good fight, though. Two very, oh, very tall yeah. and long 155ers. I'm really looking forward to that fight. And I can honestly see it being sort of like the Edson Barboza fight where Jalen Turner hits him with a bunch of body kicks and Dan Hooker just folds over and it's like hard to watch. Yeah. All right. Well, let us um, let us wrap up here. Um, you can follow me at Friendly Sparpod on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, where can they follow you on Instagram? Follow me at uh, T Cross the Boss. Um, just go to the Friendly Spar Pod and look at the followers and type in T Cross. And that's I'll true. Follow. There you go. Yeah, go go to Friendly Spar Pod on IG and um, and look up T Cross. Uh, and then before we get out of here, I'm gonna shout out our lovely patrons. Do it. 
Shout out to APB. And I, I want to give a, APB a special shout out because I always enjoy her input on uh, on Rhino's show. And I remember APB being, she wasn't the first patron. She was the second. Okay. First patron is not around. Doesn't talk to me anymore. Uh-huh. We're not going to talk about that. Doesn't matter. APB, I think did it, I think it was like on my birthday or close to the, my birthday and was and like posted about it like just just became a subscriber and it got sandy to subscribe it got other people to subscribe it really kind of like set the ball rolling and i was like fuck yeah I'll st- i always remember that so thank you for that so shout out apb and sandy pants for that alex from jersey t cross fee dave l phil the mma dude no he's gone <laughs> oh wow i haven't i haven't like crossed out but i was going through the crosses phil's no one's heard from Phil, to be honest with you. Uh, Jimmy the Drunk, Mixed the Man, Anonymous, David Everett, Wholesome MMA, Brian Pichet, Dave, a.k.a. Nobby Buckles, Super Manly Nick, David S., Decrons, Harry Andrew, Cakes, QAR, Dash, and Zim. The fucking best people I know. And with that, T Cross, do you have any final thoughts to leave the listeners with? No. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for accepting me into your ears holes for longer than usual, like a minute or two. Now you're getting an hour or two. So appreciate you listening. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't time it, but it's definitely we were more than two hours today, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I just I get so excited. I miss talking about MMA. I don't have my own podcast, so I just blurt out everything here. And I kind of take over your show the last few weeks, and I apologize. But thank you guys for listening. No, it's 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 our show now. Like I said, I brought you on for real. You're a legitimate co-host, and uh, it's I, I like doing the longer podcast because you get people that are like, "Fuck yeah, two hour podcasts are back! Yeah, I have a long drive. I can't wait." And then there are people that get like angry about it. It's like. You don't have to listen to the whole thing. Like, if you can only consume an hour, consume an hour. Like, chunks of it. Yeah, or listen. I think some podcasting apps have like a one point five speed or whatever you can do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Fucking a.